Paper Cut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Larissa Music. So please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Larissa Music. Um, I am an illustrator, a self-published author, and a spoken word poet. Yeah. What are you first? What is your like primary art, or all of those share equally? Uh, you, you know, I've I've always been kind of confused in that realm, but I <laughs> right now I'm leading with writer. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that changes. That changes. Yeah. So, what are you currently working on right now in terms of writing? Yeah, in terms of writing right now, um, I'm working on uh, putting together my spoken word poems together in a book. And with illustrations, and I've been trying to get a few call- calligraphers uh, together to maybe get some pull quotes in there and that sort of thing. But it's up in the air right now. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Um, can you talk to us a bit about your book? Sure, totally. Uh, well, the I'm, I'm imagining there'll be four poems in it. Uh, uh, the four poems that I've been performing over the past five years. I was... Um, uh, the host slash slam master of Winnipeg Poetry Slam here in Winnipeg for the past years and um, was performing on their Winnipeg Poetry Slam team at Canadian Festival of Spoken Words. So um, those poems that did well there, um, putting together in that in that book, which was the four, my four strongest ones. Yeah. And four poems would take out, would take up quite a few pages. Is that yeah. is it a little book? Well, it'll be a smaller book. Yeah, four poems. Well, spoken word poetry poems are typically three minutes. So um, I'm imagining that with illustrations complete, it'll be maybe 10, 15 pages. Not that long. About as long as the other uh, uh, coloring book that I published with poems in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. will it be large format or sort of like a small little pocket style? Probably smaller. Yeah. 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 Cool. Can you talk about the slam poetry scene in Winnipeg? Totally. Or yeah. first maybe describe what slam poetry is for yeah. people that don't know what it is and then maybe mm-hmm. get into the scene. Okay. My go-to to explain it is that it's kind of like a wrap-off meets a diving competition. So you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you kind of have um, these, you know, poets that have their heart and souls, you know, and they're bringing them up to the stage and they have three minutes to like share it. And then um, in that three minute period, you know, you'll have audience participation as far as like you can't yell harassing things at them but you can snap and mm-hmm and oh you know that sort of thing that and with you know the berets there's not always berets but sometimes there are. <laughs> um <laughs> and um and then the three minutes is over and then the host says okay judges up with your scores and you have um zero to ten on those scorecards and you can hold them up and, and then uh yeah it's kind of brutal in that way but it kind of is yeah. a really nice way as well to like learn okay what's resonating what's not and build your work further yeah Mm. yeah so question do does the poet stay on the stage and wait for the scores no the poet walks Mm. off yeah because all the ones i've seen are like (laughs) drop mic and then walk away it would be really ridiculous like no if they had to walk back on and yeah no we also don't drop the mic that is also a rule (laughs) you cannot mic drop no that would ruin the mic and then we wouldn't be able to host that anymore because no venue would take us anymore so have you been a judge I have been a judge, but because I'd been hosting for the past two years, you know, I hadn't, you know, been in that on the other side yeah. in a long time. Yeah. So what is it great? Like, what is it judged on? Yeah. No, that's a really good question. It's judged on um, 
commitment to the piece. So if you have it memorized, if you have it in your body, that that's something. But we don't we when we start the season, we usually leave that part out. We say, you know, if you're reading off of paper that paper, that's okay. Um, most of the weight goes into, you know, is it well crafted? Are there moments that, um, you know, the audience like, um, feeds off of, um, is there really, is there a really good metaphor in there? Is there, you know, um, different elements of alliteration, that sort of thing that could come into play. But sometimes it honestly is because it is audience judged. It's the people's poetry. Spoken word is essentially that. It could literally just be, okay, I like that or I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the brutal aspect of it. I keep saying brutal. Maybe it's just because it's the morning. I think it's because it's raining. <laughs> and I'm like, man, it's brutal. brutal Poetry is not brutal. It's just that uh, it, it's uh, Well, judging it's just feelings is a little bit brutal. That is brutal. Um, but it's and also... Like your feelings were not what enough that we would give you a better yeah, story. Yeah, but also um, I think that's what makes it so magical because when you have poetry in a book like there's no opportunity for that for us to say hey i understood what you were saying or i didn't and um and now you're in a space where like you can learn how to you know cut out the jargon cut out the fanciness and like actually say what you want to say and that makes it simple and it makes it less like you don't have to be some um you know person who went through extensive university uh, training or you know uh, so much like so much reading you don't have to be an academic to understand spoken word which is what makes it nice mm-hmm. yeah so uh has there any ever been a, a situation of like audience sabotage like they just didn't want this person to re- win so nobody reacted to it whatsoever or like because if that's part of the grading scale yeah. I feel like that's a little bit um uh, manageable or like in control of the audience has that mm-hmm. ever happened yeah, I mean, the audience really does have the upper hand. We randomly select them. You know, they come in, they sit down, we say, okay, we try to spread it out. And if they are friends or a family member of the poet, we won't give them scorecards because that makes them biased. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's really in their hands from there. And, you know, we have had that maybe they just heard a line in the poem that they just didn't like. And, you know, um, and that just means a lower score or a really high school score because of one good line, you know. Um, did I answer that question? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's yeah. just interesting that it's so much in the hands of the audience. Yeah. I guess that's much like everything else. I guess. Yeah. It's like music. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the competition really is what I found like hosting over the past two years and, and running in and getting poets to come out is it really is just a grounds, a, a, an area, an arena where you can test your poetry, find your voice, and then from there, if you don't feel like competing anymore, you don't feel like going to the next level of the national competition or the one in in Paris, you don't have to. You can go off, derail, and start performing for your own self, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a question again. Okay. Uh, So is there poems? I feel like a lot of the poems that I hear are usually out of a place of, like, sadness, struggle, anger, are there happy poems that come up? It feels like they're always like so powerful because you're like, yeah, like you're fighting this sadness. Is it the other way around usually? Is that harder to come up with like a powerful happy poem? Um, yeah, I would say yeah, but I say that also hesitantly. I think, you know, uh, I guess I'll speak for myself because that's mm-hmm. easiest. I don't want to speak for anyone else. But, you know, when I started in, in spoken word performing at 
like 16 years old it was mostly like diary entries you know just me like getting out all the you know just like the bad stuff um on paper and that you know yeah it was like you know oh I'm feeling really low about this or breakup or whatever and it was always you know sad or hard to him manage but then you know I started realizing you know it didn't feel so good sharing that as much as it felt good sharing like you know positive affirmations or or things but that stuff is also hard to write without being mawkish or or being you know like sometimes you know you can pretend to be happy to a point where it's not authentic anymore um so yeah I would say it is hard to write I mean a lot of the poets that come together will talk about things that are really important to them like you know socioeconomic problems or political problems or um, racism and or things that are still happening right now that we need to talk about through spoken words so um, I mean that stuff is really needed but then yeah so we do sometimes see you know glimpses of like I just feel like I want to talk about jelly beans right now and then sometimes sometimes it is like more comedic but um, it is um, less seen than the harder stuff but the harder stuff needs to be talked about too yeah. So the second part of your question was about the scene in Winnipeg, which yeah. we didn't touch on. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that? The scene in Winnipeg, yeah. So uh, spoken word poetry in Winnipeg, uh, well, the Winnipeg Poetry Slam scene has been going on for, you know, a decade or over. Um, and the director, Slam Master, changes every two years. It's all volunteer run, community run. And uh, what can I say about it? Well... We have our competitions that run from January until uh, May or June, depending on when we have finals. And uh, basically, it's it's open mic setting, and you can come in, sign up at the door. We start at about uh, 7, 30, 8 o'clock. We've been running at the Handsome Daughter for the past while, and uh, the competition runs from 8 to about 9.30, and then we, you know, we tally the scores and then announce who won that competition. And it kind of works over from January to uh, May, June as kind of like a hockey tournament where you kind of, you know, gain points and then we rank you from uh, zero to 10. And then at the end of the season, we announce who's going to semifinals and the finals. Yeah. Interesting. And you said you were on Team Winnipeg, like mm-hmm. representing nationals. Where do nationals take place? They take place at different cities across Canada. That's kind of organized by uh, the uh, Spokane, Can- uh, Spoken Word Canada, and they kind of run the Canadian Festival of Spoken Word, but different cities will host it. So oh, okay. right now, um, the Poetry Slam team that won this year is going to Guelph, Ontario. Oh, interesting. And how many times have you represented Winnipeg? Twice. Twice at the Canadian Festival, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Is it like... Is it like an actual team? Like, do you guys have matching shirts kind of deal? (laughs) I mean, you can have matching shirts. That's an extra cost. But, um, (laughs) I mean, we did. When I went uh, to uh, Saskatoon for their festival, that was in 2016, we did have matching shirts. And, you know, you can do, like, the the little book of poems if you want to. But, you know, really, it's just a team that decides, hey, we're going to go and perform in this competition. And they do it. And you're individually ranked on the team. You're not, like doing like group poems or anything you can do group poems well, yeah bonus points for group poems or um they tend to do better um yeah, yeah with the audience members just because it takes a lot more uh, rehearsal um and people resonate with that yeah yeah how big are the teams 
four to five. Uh, generally, the rule is four uh, poets and then one alternate. Cool. And sorry, what's an alternate? Uh, just uh, uh, you can have a team of five or you can have a person that jumps in if one person drops out, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I see yeah. what you mean. I thought you meant like four poets and like a plumber and <laughs> no. you get like bonus points if the plumber is good at like poetry or something, you know? It's yeah. Like by trade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like a, like a water, a water person. Or water, water boy, yeah, person, water person, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're definitely. Um, I would say that we're like a really welcoming space here in Winnipeg, and we're really just about like getting those voices up there to share their truths. So we, the past few years, we've been going with a team of five, not nice. not the alternate thing, but just strong, strong five, strong five. No, no yeah. water people. No, <laughs> no water. Because yeah. once they go to the Canadian Festival of Spoken Word, it's um uh, every time a poet goes up to read a poem, it's like they. They can only read so many, and then they get that knocked off as one of their poems. And when you go up as a team to read a poem, it, you have to say that it's, um, you know, Bob, Lucy's, or, or or Smith's, and then and then that counts as their poem. How many? So how many poems do you get? Uh, you get a few. Um, I actually wasn't in charge of that when I was on the team going there, but I think it's... It depends on how many bouts there are. I can't remember how many bouts. It depends on how far you get in the competition, basically. Um, I think we got through a few different bouts into semifinals. It was maybe like four or five. So it was like five, five or six poems to get to the semifinals and finals. Yeah, but you can't do repeats. And if you've read a poem at the previous CFSW, you can't read it the next one. It's like it's dead. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of shitty. I mean... Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> that's how CFSW works. Right, right. And mm-hmm. uh, like I said before, uh, the competitions really are just a space where it's like you build this, you know, so people can continue to make work. And, and then and then those people who do really want the competitions usually spin off and start touring on their own. And we have uh, feature poets at every poetry slam. So they come in and we pay them a fee and then they recite uh, a repertoire of uh, three or four poems in the middle of the poetry slam. So that's how the, you know, spinoff careers kind of start. Interesting. Yeah. Are there any provinces that are like powerhouses? I'd say, yeah, I'd say probably Toronto gets pretty up there. Um, Highly competitive. Um. Uh, city, I think it, you know the way the way that I see them, but they're also really great. I've been a lot of great people who've um, uh, read through that scene, uh, including Sabrina Benam, Benam, Benam. Oh, I always say it wrong. Um, and then Vancouver Poetry Slam is really great. Um, yeah, it really depends on the team, though. Over here, yeah, who's on it? Yeah. So, do you have like? you're looking at a roster or something and be like, oh shit, this person's on the team this year. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a sort of like a bring it on sort of thing. Oh, um, are there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nice. Bring it on reference. <laughs> I always like to bring those, bring it on references in as much as I can, you know? I mean, yeah, definitely. There are names that just get like kind of niche famous, <laughs> like R.C. Wazlowski, or, or, or Mary Pintowski, I think that's how you say your name. And then... What are um, their, like, niches? Like, what are they really... Yeah, well, Mary, uh, her poem about uh, Bix pen for, Pens for Women. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay, she wrote a poem about that, and that became, like, bah! 
just blew up. Or, um, R.C. Wazlowski, he was, he was a game changer in a few ways. Um, <laughs> and I can't speak to it personally. I, I don't know him personally, but, um, he, his name gets thrown around a lot. It really just, um, yeah, sometimes you just like do a really big group poem at CFSW and from there on everyone knows who you are, <laughs> you know? I don't know, yeah. Have you been recognized for poetry before? Uh, poetry, yeah, yeah, I mean a little bit. It's really, it's such a small scene, so it's really, I think if you're not a part of it, you don't really know, like... It's not like anybody pauses me in the street. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if they've been to a poetry and they're like, oh, yeah, you write the poems. Like, mm. yeah, okay. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Are there it's any small. big up-and-coming names in the poetry scene? A slam poetry, poetry scene in Winnipeg? Uh, Other than yourself, if you're Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, let's see. In the Winnipeg scene, I'd say... Um, uh, Tiana Northage is doing a really great job. Um, I mean, we've had a lot of talented people come in and out and then up and leave. You know, we had uh, Chimwemwe Undi is fantastic. Um, and um, who else could I speak to? Um, uh, uh, Steve Locke has done really well. Um, uh, the... Sorry, it's so early in the morning. It's and totally names fine. Is like, That's <laughs> yeah, the worst for me. But we usually put um, people on the spot with names. Like yeah. with bands, we'll be like, "Who do you want to make a super band with?" And they're like, "Are you fucking kidding?" Me? Yeah, <laughs> like, such a broad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I do also it noticed now. I'm leaning forward. Um. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Yeah. I mean, those are some names. Those are some names. We got some names. We got the names we were looking for. Yeah. We got the ball rolling. Yeah. If you think of any others, you just yell them out. Just yeah. yeah. Not eat too loud. We don't want to mess up our levels. Oh. No. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk a bit about uh, oh, illustration? Mike oh. oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Mike Johnson has gone really far. And then he went, he was a... He's my teacher. Yeah, he's a, he's teacher, a teacher. And then he oh. went... I think there's a lot of Mike Johnson. He probably. went to the Galapagos? No, where did he go? He went on some, like, tour with other poets. Um, with wow. the Canadian Poet Society. Just because he's so great and he talks about his poetry uh is because he's a teacher he talks about you know like education and 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 like human health and like um family life and and like uh what else like science and how poetry science go together yeah he's really cool and he was at tedx winnipeg yeah cool so that was definitely your teacher i yeah like he had a goatee i think at some point (laughs) Yeah, and he's like kind of like, like yeah, the, yeah. And he he dresses really sharp too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the same. Like, he was the coolest teacher. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, he reminded me of like Jack Black. Okay. In School of Rock, but yeah. like, who knew how to teach and wasn't just like, <laughs> <laughs> just a rock star, but like, he was right. like the coolest. Yeah, yeah. yeah rock star. Liked. That's not what the movie was about. Well, it was about him faking. Being was, a teacher. He wasn't a rock yeah. star. Well, he was. He got a kicked rock. out of the band. <laughs> yeah, but he made a, He became a rock star with the kids. Yeah. So technically. Okay. <laughs> technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fair, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> no, he's really cool. <laughs> yeah, he's really cool. Um. So yes. Um. Olivia, you were gonna ask a question about illustrations. I was gonna ask a question about illustrations. Uh. You can tell us about them if you like. I like yeah. putting Olivia on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, I just yeah. want to know. Uh, 
yeah, about illustration. <laughs> do you illustrate to words? Or I think, did you have a coloring book? Is that something that you did? Yeah, so the coloring book was the jumping off point for me in illustration. You know, I didn't, um, you know, I went through Creecom, uh, Creative Communications at Red River, and, you know, part of that was to do our own independent project, and I decided that I wanted to do a poetry book. And then I thought, well... It's also a hard sell to some people because they're not into poetry or they have like misconceptions about it. And I thought, okay, well, what if it was a coloring book? And then what if I put my drawings in it? And, I, and to the, until that point, until I decided, oh, it's going to be a coloring book, I didn't identify as an illustrator and I was kind of surprised at that. And then, you know, I got back into it and I realized, oh, you know, I really do love doing this. And I was drawing every morning while I was in school. I would wake up maybe an hour before and just draw something, anything. And then um, before I knew it, you know, I was, you know, making this entire book and illustrating everything to the poems um and then yeah and now I've kind of um butted out and I'm playing around with comics um I really enjoy that um it's been helping me to deal with uh, my anxiety and recognizing it and overthinking has been a thing for me too so yeah I usually like start with uh, something that I really want to get out or want to talk about and um, write that, write the passage, and then the illustration kind of goes with it. I'm still kind of discovering and rediscovering my style because it's only been about two years of doing illustrations, whereas poetry, it's been five years or more. I find that, you know, once you, people underestimate what they can do in, uh, overestimate what they can do in two years and then underestimate what they can do in 10. So I'm still growing and trying to find my style. You know, I'm not trained as an illustrator or an artist. I just kind of discover it on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the difference between drawing and like illustrating for a coloring book? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, conceptually it's different. I think it depends on who your audience is. For the coloring book, I was thinking, you know, I want someone who's 55 to pick this up and say, oh, this is fun to draw. <laughs> <Or> like <laughs> someone who's, you know, um, you know, 14 to pick it up. Oh, this is fun to draw. But um for comics, it's, you know, it's a, someone who's scrolling through Instagram will want to see like a square box with images and be able to pick it up and say, ah, ha, ha. And then, you know, and it's very different, different mm -hmm. audience. So, and in terms of composition as well, like the amount of detail I'd imagine in a coloring book is less, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, like the, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the coloring book, because you don't have to color it in an illustrator, <laughs> see how I was smart about that in school. Like I don't have to actually color this in an illustrator. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's different. It was just, you know, I just have to do the black outlines so someone could color it in. But for, um, comics, it's a little bit more time consuming and I'm still learning the ins and outs of Adobe. So, so that's fun. Yeah. So you do it all like digitally. Yeah, digitally. I'm trying to move now into, you know, um, finding again my um, analog style. <laughs> and um, I'm testing out uh, Copic markers. Those are really fun to work with. Um, pencil crayons, What's watercolor. What's a Copic marker? It's basically like a fancy, you know, it's it's a marker that has a really fancy French mustache. Like it's the, <laughs> it's like the upper end of markers. Um, it's a paint marker that you use on a thicker paper and then you can blend them which is oh, a nice, yes. nice level up. Yeah. I follow an Instagram account and I know what you're talking about now yeah. because she uses those and yeah. they're just so satisfying to Bloody watch. expensive though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I have my set and I'm like, okay, we're going to start with these colors and see. Yeah. yeah. Their name is 
Bunny Lee's World, if you want to look at those. Okay. Those are great illustrations. Beautiful blending. It's just they, they do uh, people, like mostly naked people, mostly naked women. But they're all like cartoons, and like the way that they blend with Mar- I it's just amazing. It's amazing. No, that's dope. Yeah. And like sometimes they'll go live on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, you can see the those process. markers. Yeah. <laughs> So I thought when you said Copic markers, I thought you meant like there's like some sort of marker, like a digital marker. But mm. those are those. Mm-hmm. Now I know. Yeah. Learning. Yeah, I Learning want. A lot. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> Just one. How much are they? Oh, you're looking at like Uh-oh. if you want like a set, you're looking at thirty bucks. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Like, I was thinking like hundreds, right? Hundreds. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, but per marker, it's like five bucks. So you can right. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Um, it builds up if you like want to do anything of yeah. Yeah. detail. Yeah. So did you publish um, the coloring book with like McNally? Yeah. So I self-published on my own just through, um, you know, my social media. Instagram was really helpful to me and word of mouth. Um, I find that um, I was going to, um, shelve it at McNally and then I rethought about it and rethought about it. And, um, do you have to pay to re- to shelve it? Yeah, you do. So you pay commission, but okay. they do ha- have it for you to anyone who self publishes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I really like, um, like I'll go and I'll read at, um, recently I was at Babes Who Brunch for Ace class and I'll read a few poems and then I'll meet a few people there who said, you know, I resonated with it and I'll offer them a coloring book and usually it goes well. And I find that that's easier when I get invited to do that and it, and it feels more comfortable as an artist versus like, buy my book at the store. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm yelling at people and also it doesn't feel comfortable to me. So I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yeah. So when, okay, so you have a book. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to shelve, well, who publish? Okay, do you know anything about book publishing? Yes, I do know a little bit. Okay, yeah. can you tell us the things that you know about it? Yeah, because I know nothing. Do you know anything? <laughs> no. About publishing a book? Um, I've heard like I um, was in the IPP of one of my classmates was to write a book, and she got it shelved at, and I think it's still shelved. Uh, decaf coffee dates um, from Larissa Peck. And I think I actually have it. Oh. But I don't know anything about the process. Right. I just, yeah. I just know that we have to, like, make a thesis. When our thesis is complete, we have to make it look nice. Like, put it in, like, bound and all this stuff. It's, like, 300 bucks. That's all I know about making books or anything. Oh, yeah. Mm. So these are, this is our knowledge. Yeah. So now share yours, please. <laughs> Enlighten us. Totally. I mean, um, the way I see it and, you know, all of the... Because part of the program, like, I had to make this whole, like, marketing analysis of the environment. And, um, you know, there are different avenues you can go down. You can go down the route that I did, which is self-publishing and word of mouth, um, which I believe in. But you can also, you know, you can pitch to publishers and find it. Or you can, um, like, you can uh, shelve it at different uh, shops in locally. If you just approach them, you could send a pitch and um, probably um, a package of, you know... Um, your, your book and maybe media coverage that I had gotten and pitch it to the store and have it shelved there. McNally does it for locals, like for a consignment fee, and that's pretty simple, um, especially if you do the book launch there because they're happy to have you and the business um, if you do it there. Um, in the self-publishing uh, route, you kind of have, well, you can sell on Amazon. I sell on Etsy, 
and that's really easy. Um, it's like 25 cents to host it for like a month or two months. And, and that's really nice. Um, and, uh, from there, um, in the self publishing arena, like you have, um, I mean, I'm kind of inspired by the way that, um, authors like Rupi Kaur have published and, and that's really, um, the way that she, grew her audience was through posting on Instagram, through performing and sharing and, you know, just printing the book herself and, and selling it that way. Wow. Um, that's a milk and honey. Is that the milk and honey? Wow. And that book's like pretty big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you see a lot of like, I was in chapters recently looking at just poetry books. They're just kind of, cause I'm curious about how they, different authors publish theirs and, um, you know, you see a lot of, like, kind of co copies of what Ruby Cowery does, like the simple black ink and the, you know, type poems and very short poems. Um, so that, you know, that's a really strange, like, blown up, like, niche thing that, that just got really popular really quick. But, mm -hmm. yeah. Which is, I guess, sort of like an Instagram thing, too. Yeah. It's just, like, enough words that people can catch it as they're scrolling past and go, yeah. whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I honestly think the book publishing area is changing, kind of like the print press, like um, like newspapers, like used to come at your door, bound in you know um, elastic or whatever, and on paper, and now you have it online, and you have to get past you know a fee, and then and then some people scroll past that and don't want to pay, and then you know, um, and for I think for book publishing, it's the same that people are moving away from. Um, well, maybe it's just my social bubble, but mm -hmm. uh, content filter bubble, but, but you know, I honestly think it is changing and you're, you're seeing a lot of these like subgroups and now you can like my friend, uh, Connor, he's, he's a really a uh, smart author and he has a book on Amazon that's called, uh, reasons, um, why oh, something about girlfriends and all like, anyway, um, <laughs> but he self publishes and then he has uh, people who kind of like pay for him to continue writing like Indiegogo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's... Hmm. And he does fine with that. And he serves. And then he also has income through that. It's cool. You can, like, sponsor an artist, like, in your community. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. That's, like, one of the things that I've... As a person who's planning on winning the lottery, <laughs> my first thing is phoning my favorite director because he's very easy to get a hold of. I actually interviewed him once before because I'm like, hey, I work at the Manitoba and can I interview you? He's like, yeah, I'll call you tomorrow. And I'm like, holy shit. But I would just give him a chunk of money. Just be like, make movies for me, please. Like, yeah. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. Who Who's would you? Favorite? Matt Johnson. Oh. Like, I'd, that no. does The Dirties and Operation Avalanche and Nirvana the Band the Show. Okay, I know the last one. Nirvana yeah. Band the Show, yeah. yeah. So On Viceland. I just, like, really liked the show, so then I went on their website, and they it had their phone number. So I just, like, phoned them and left a message, and then they, I was like, this is my email, and then they emailed me back. We're like, we'll both call you well, in a couple days. And then they did. I talked to them on the phone for an hour. Interesting. An hour. Oh. Just yeah. like a casual conversation. Yeah. Just And then I wrote cool. an article about it, but it was just like, I was shaking. I was just like, oh my God, you are my favorite person. <laughs> it's like sometimes you can meet your heroes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I told him like, I was just like such an idiot. I'm like, if you come to Winnipeg, you could stay in my house. And he's like, I'm not going to come to Winnipeg <laughs> or, Winnipeg or stay at your house. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, is there an artist that you would sponsor if you had the opportunity? Oh, yeah. Um, I think in spoken word poetry, like I have and still have a huge like, like, fangirl crush on Mike Johnson, I would sponsor him 100%. 
Um, and I just love the intention that he brings to it. He just wants to like inspire youth. And then uh, music wise, I really love Begonia and would sponsor her <laughs> the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. In every scene, it's different. Probably what I, I will sponsor Connor because he's my good friend and he's also very, very smart. Um, and uh, I don't know. I feel like I would have to make a list because mm-hmm. there's just so many I would want to sponsor. You know, I love I love my scene and I love the people in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would you? Who would I sponsor? In any in, in any, anything. Yeah. Um, I feel like if I was supporting Winnipeg Music, I'd just buy like a fleet of tour vans, so they wouldn't have to worry about it, and they'd be like, just anyone can use it. Yeah. Yeah. It would yeah. just be like these are rent a vans for bands when you're touring. Well, because that's like a business like, opportunity now. It's not a business <laughs> opportunity. I wanted like to let them have them if they wanted to, but it would just be like. Because that's expensive to buy a van for a band, like, that is, and they you know. sometimes there's like big bands and little vans, and like you know, like bands and little vans. <laughs> you know, that would be my that would just be my one contribution because it would be like endless, hopefully. Yeah, but I would sponsor um, Brett. Brett? Yeah, Brett from uh, Ivory Waves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, just whatever he wants to do. Yeah, just like every side project he has, it's like great. And I'm like, okay, here's some more money. Go do another one. Or Yeah, yeah. I would sponsor him, for sure. It's funny that it's one person, not a band. Not Ivory no. Waves, just whatever Brett. Just whatever Brett's doing, I'm into it. I like it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. We're really nice oh, people, man. it sounds like. Yeah. If we won I mean, the lottery. I mean, if we, yeah, if we won the lottery. Yeah. I would like to sponsor myself right now if I could. Yeah. Speaking of sponsors, <laughs> yeah. all three of us would appreciate one. Yeah, we'll take sponsors. So are are you sponsored? Is Do you have that type you? of like India go-go thing as well? Or you're good? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm st- still trying to, like, like I said, I just show up and I bring the book with me right now. I'm really humble about it. But I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's the best way to move forward. And yeah, that might be something that I consider in the future. Yeah. Mm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about design and layout in poetry books because you were saying that a lot of people you notice are kind of copying R- Ruby Cower's mm-hmm. style. How important is laying out, like making it stylized a certain way? How much mm-hmm. does that play into a poetry book? I mean, at the end of the day, it really is just about the words, but I think people are very sensitive to images now, you know, now that we are like, we are very much video people and very much uh, picture people and, and that's really growing because of the just like sheer amount of content that's out there um so laying out is important as far as like what am i going to communicate visually right as someone stops on it you know what are what are their emotions to that like something simple like a line drawing in Rupi Cowers is kind of like, it just shows a simplicity. So, like, to me, that kind of expresses, like, vulnerability, like, not having very much there um, versus something that's a lot more colorful, vibrant, obviously would maybe, like, a little more, um, like, approachable and maybe, um, maybe more, like, kid-like, depending on how you did it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but. do you put a lot of your illustration into uh, your poetry? Uh, yeah, with the poetry coloring book, that's that was the the way that it went, and it was kind of um, like how the characters laid on the page was um, dependent on you know how many words were in the poem and and what it was about, um, and uh, 
obviously I was thinking about the coloring, like how someone would color it in. So a lot of it looks kind of boxy or geometrical so that they can, um, you know, get certain colors in and then overlap or that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah. Do you think that the illustration uh, can sometimes take away from a poem as much as it gives to it? Like in a sense that it's no longer entirely your interpretation of it. If you're, I'm thinking back to like Chaucer, whatever those those riddle poems like that are sound like they're about penises, but they're actually about onions or whatever. Do you know which ones I'm talking about? No, that but I'm intrigued. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> there is <laughs> something about like something that when you are handling it, it makes your something about tears in your eyes. Something. It sounds like it's about a dick, but it's actually about an onion, right? <laughs> right. And there's a bunch of these, or ones that are like actually about um, a key, but you think it's about also a dick. They're all about dicks, actually. <laughs> but it's like the, you, there's no longer a mystery within the the poem because if you were to just draw a picture of an onion next to it, then you would know that that's what it was about. Like, mm. There's no mystery left in that poem, or it's not a riddle anymore. Have you ever considered how your illustrations may alter the perception of the poems? Hmm. I mean, it probably does. Yeah, Yeah, 100% probably does. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, reading a Shel Silverstein poem from, you know, with um, his illustrations beside the poem, um, I'm thinking of where the sidewalk ends, those sort of things, and you see, like, the character, like, falling off of a cliff or whatever, and, like, definitely that informs, uh, it either supports the poem or kind of contrasts it, and definitely, like, that's something that you think about um, and thought about with with my book, but... um, yeah, at some point it just becomes like a flow state and you're like, yeah, I will inform it or ruin it. I don't know, whatever they want to do with it. Right. Yeah. yeah, I just, I think maybe I was more asking about the thought process in what you're going to draw. Is it mm. literal or is it how you feel or are you trying to influence the person that's reading it by, mm. through your illustration? Yeah, sometimes it is literal, sometimes it's not that literal. Um, yeah, um, can I think of an example? Um... Yeah, I think there's a poem. There's a poem in my book, my book about um, emotional landscape and talking about that. And you know, while I'm talking about landscape, and to me, like the emotional landscape is um, because I know that I have uh, anxiety and I have you know highs and lows, and and lots of people have that. And I like to think of it as like a hill, and and it makes me feel more comfortable when I'm like crying for no reason or like really happy for no reason. Um, and um, uh, like the illustration was like a compass and to me that felt right. And um, I don't know, like sometimes it supports it, sometimes it's just an additional thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any more questions? There was another thing that you did. You said that you were, oh no, your books are with your poems. Those were yes. the three things. You yeah. put them all together into one thing. Yeah. Uh, do you ever feel about your poetry um, like, um, this is for some people and not for other people. Like, this is for my friends, but not for my mom. Or, like, certain people that you would not want to read your poetry or experience some of them in some poetry competitions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel vulnerable every every time I, like, pick up my book. And, like, I was sharing with my parents has always been kind of, like, you know, something that felt uncomfortable. I don't know why it feels more uncomfortable than sharing with friends. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people who write feel this way, maybe. Um, yeah, sometimes it does, like, especially if I'm talking about, um, like, there's a poem that, that I share in a scene that's about, you know, 
um, what it's like to be a woman and to be objectified sometimes. And that's really uncomfortable, especially if your mom is there or your dad's there. And it's like, I don't know if dad will get this, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess, I guess that, that's answering that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it is uncomfortable, but writing should inherently be uncomfortable. If it's if it's comfortable all the time, then you're not getting to the tr- truth of things or breaking things down. I think that's really important. Yeah. Hmm. So you're mentioning they switch uh, Slam Master. Is that the title? Yeah, Slam Master. I, I, I went by artistic director because it sounded less, <laughs> you know, abrasive. Slam like, master. I'm going to master your slam. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> you know, it was also run by, um, like, a lot of male energy for a while. And I think, like, it's not that men are, are, are inherently aggressive. It's just that they have a lot more fun with aggression versus, like, I, maybe that's just my perspective. But as a woman, I just, like, felt uncomfortable being aggressive. So artistic director yeah and so you're are you in year two like are you almost done your cycle yeah i'm concluding this year so i'm passing the hat and um Mm. yeah and that's kind of scary because you get so used to it but yeah do you pick who picks who's the next we kind of just vote so we're a facebook run group and yeah we're the people's poetry so um you know everyone comments and kind of says i want this person there's nominations and that sort of thing and then it's just like blah, blah and then we get down to somebody who's going to do it and take it on and it does a lot of work so it really just comes down to who's going to have the time to do it is does it switch every two years just to keep it fresh no it switches every two years because that's just the nature of the organic beast, I think. Um, not because anybody, I think it's because it's volunteer run and it's, and it's, you know, hard to do work for free for a long time. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, you know, we have discussed like applying for funding for grants and we have, and, you know, sometimes we do get it, you know, when we were uh, at the Fringe Festival this year, we, we had funding from Winnipeg Arts Council, Um, but throughout the year, it's a hard press for, um, you know, for, to get grants because, you know, you do see kind of like there is splicing happening and and shortage of funding. And it's not that they wouldn't want to support the voices here. It's that they just don't have it. And yeah. So if somebody wants to get involved in the Winnipeg slam poetry scene, how would they start? What's step one? Yeah. Um, one definitely. through however many steps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 14 um, step system. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. Uh, if you don't have Facebook, that's kind of hard because we do a, a lot through that. But I would join the Facebook group. Um, I would follow our website. We do have one up and running that is um, always up and running. And then if you're like really have a lot of questions, you can email um, Winnipeg uh, Poetry Slam Board at gmail.com. Uh, our website is Winnipeg Poetry Slam.com. And um, yeah. Uh, our Facebook group is Winnipeg Poetry Slam, and there's Winnipeg Poetry Slam volunteer group. Um, getting started, like uh, volunteering at the door or volunteering as um, a scorekeeper or a timekeeper for the slams is a really good way to get your foot in. And then also, if you're a poet, to come and just do the open mics regularly. The more you do it, the more like you know your face is seen, and then um, you never know you could be the next you know assistant director, you know, or, or, uh, you know, full-time director, you know, there's so much, so many opportunities there. And it's really about, you know, who really loves book over poetry and, and is committed to developing the scene here. Yeah. So if we wanted to go, that would be allowed. Like we yeah. could just show up. Yeah. Just show up at the, when it, for, for audience members. Yeah. Just show up. Uh, we host it third Wednesday of every month at the handsome daughter that might change for January. Um, yeah, it starts at, sign up at seven and, um, yeah, you can come in as an audience member or a judge or, 
as a person to perform. And do you pay to attend? It's yeah, it's a it's a fee. It's about eight dollars, and that kind of fluctuates, or eight dollars by donation. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Larissa, for coming on. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank Thank you for cutting cutting deep deep with with us on Paper Cut Podcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to that episode. If you want more episodes just like that, check out papercutwinnipeg.com or iTunes or Google Play, but not Spotify. Here's a cut from our interview next week with Hannah Doucette. When I started just taking photos of myself, I kind of felt like I was taking control over the whole process I was the orchestrator and the photographer and the subject and the viewer and like it's just it was all there's like a lot of agency within that for me